0: You are listening to the Kensington Church Podcast, recorded live in Michigan. To learn more about Kensington, visit kensingtonchurch.org. Good
1: morning, Kensington. Let's all stand up and be
2: celebrating. We worship Jesus for everything he's done and who he is in our lives. Come on. Come on, we sit wandering. We're wandering into the night, wanting a place to hide.
3: the nine o'clock a run for their money. I'm not kidding. I told them this morning, I was like, y'all are the hype crowd, but y'all are kind of, you're stepping up your game. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome. Glad you guys are here. Hopefully you guys had an awesome Thanksgiving. Um, We had great food, great fun, some family, uh, something that sort of looked like football, but not as much. But then we got to Saturday, right? Saturday was a good game. It was a good day. Any Michigan fans in here? Okay, U of M, all right, nice. Any Ohio State fans in here? Careful, careful, careful. You heard the first cheer. Some Sparty fans, they won, right? Yeah, it was a good week. It was a good week. Listen, uh, and now it's officially time we can listen to Christmas music. So that's exciting. It says in the Bible that post-Thanksgiving it's totally permissible. So um, I'm excited about that. We've been jamming out to that. But if you haven't noticed, Christmas is here at Kensington. We are really, really excited um, about that. Uh, We are launching a brand new series that we're calling our Advent Series that we're going to spend the next several weeks in leading up to Christmas. And so you're here for week one, and so that's exciting. It'll sort of set you up for the rest of the journey that we're going to take together. I do want to remind you that this Wednesday night we have our tree lighting service, which I am so excited about. I've seen pictures, I've heard stories, and this year I finally get to be a part of it, and so I'm super pumped. This Wednesday, it's an outside event. Did you hear that? Outside events, so come bundled up. We're gonna have some fire pits out there, some s'mores stuff, some hot Mm -hmm. chocolate. We're gonna sing some carols together and we're gonna light the trees and bring in the Christmas season here at Kensington. So that's this Wednesday night. Be here, it's going to be absolutely incredible. Hopefully, I, I just have one more question. How many of you are part of the Facebook group for Lake Orion, the Kensington Lake Orion Facebook group? Okay, the rest of you who didn't raise your hand, Take a second and join that group because I'm not kidding you. This past week, some people shared pictures of their Advent kits that they did out in the lobby, and I'm pretty sure the creator of Hallmark goes to this church. I mean, some of those plates looked absolutely... Phenomenal. I mean, it was awesome. But if you're not part of the Facebook group, make sure you join that. You can hang out. We can talk about plates, talk about football, talk about all the events coming up. It's a great way to kind of connect with this community throughout the week, so make sure you do that. Another way we're going to do that is right now, I'm going to have all of you guys stand up. I want you to crisscross the auditorium, shake somebody's hand, hug somebody's neck, give a fist bump, play a quick game of rock, paper, scissors, whatever you need to do, but welcome somebody this morning. We'll be back with some Christmas carols.
4: so we can He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this.
3: Excellent. You can be seated this morning. I love the Christmas songs, man. They're just so full of theology and and just they're such a beautiful, beautiful thing to share, especially with our faith community. And so we are launching a new series this morning that we're calling Advent. And we're going to be in this series from now through the end of the year, through Christmas and all of that. And so we're going to look at different themes each week. And so we're going to cover hope and peace and joy and love. And then on Christmas, we're going to come to the final candle, which I'll explain these candles here in a minute. We're going to come to the final candle, which is that of light and purity in Jesus. And so this is going to be a really cool series that we're going to uh, get to share together. And so before we jump into that, let me go ahead and pray, and then I'll unpack hope a little bit for us this morning. So let's pray together. God, I thank you so much. For today. I thank you so much for what you're doing in this room and for what you're doing in those of us who are joining online. I pray this morning that we would begin to prepare ourselves even now for what you want to do in our hearts and in our lives. God, I pray that you would soften our hearts and that you would open our minds, that you'd make us receptive to what you have for us today, and that we would leave this place encouraged, challenged, and changed. God, we love you. In Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. 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 Awesome. So, Advent. Advent is something that is typical in more of the liturgical scenes, right? In the liturgical circles. How many of you grew up uh, celebrating Advent? Did anyone grow up? Okay, quite a few. That's awesome. It's about half in the, in the nine o'clock service as well. So, for the other half of us, myself included, um, I'm going to kind of catch us all up to speed on what exactly Advent is, because Advent was always familiar to me, but also a little foreign as well. Advent fell into the realm of understanding for me, much like Ash Wednesday or Fat Tuesday or Lent and then Advent. Those were all like kind of things to me that I knew existed, but I didn't really know. Like I grew up over on the east side, I grew up in Gross Point, and so it was a very heavily Catholic area. And really all I knew about Ash Wednesday is that that was the day at school when everybody came in with a smudge on their forehead. I didn't know why. I thought maybe they all ran into the same thing coming into the school and I just used a different door. I didn't, I don't know. They all had like a black smudge. And I was like, okay, interesting. And then uh, Fat Tuesday I knew was Punchki day. It was a day that everybody got to eat Polish donuts. And I was like, yes, Jesus is in this holiday. I, I, I can understand the connection there. Jesus is all about this for sure. And then, um, you know, uh, the Lent season, the only thing I really understood about that was basically that all the Catholic churches in our area had a fish fry on Fridays. And that's what Lent meant. And then Advent was kind of the, the Christmas portion of it. And so being raised in a Protestant home, meaning essentially not Catholic and not Lutheran, we didn't really observe Advent too much. And so since we're gonna be in Advent for the rest of the year, I figured it might be a good idea to kind of cover the bases and get us all up to speed. So we all have a basic understanding and knowledge of what Advent is. So as we go through and we talk about it and we discuss it and break it down, we at least have an idea. Does that sound good? Can I get some bobbleheads going to let me know that that sounds like a good plan? Okay, the half that didn't raise their hand are like, yeah, the other half's like, why? Everybody knows what Advent is. So we're all going to get on the same page here together this morning. So Advent essentially, um, it derives from a Latin word that means coming or arrival. And so in the sense of Christmas, it's the coming or arrival of Jesus. It's the season leading up to that. It's the season leading up to Christmas that we do two things. We reflect and we anticipate. We reflect and we anticipate. We reflect on the arrival of sweet baby Jesus back in Bethlehem. And the nativity and the whole deal, the whole Christmas story, we reflect on that. And as we reflect on the past, it informs our present and it shapes our future. So part of Advent is this reflection of looking back on the nativity story. But then another part of Advent is this anticipation, where we anticipate the second coming of Christ, the return of Jesus. And both of these things, the reflection and the anticipation, it generates in us this hope. It generates in us this joy, this peace, this sense of love, and it's a very, very exciting time, and so the lighting of the candles is also part of Advent, and so if you were with us last week and you were able to celebrate and um, design an Advent wreath out in the lobby, hopefully you're trekking with us at home, but we'll light a candle each Week. The first one is hope, and then we go to peace and joy, and then the pink candle is love, and then the center candle in the middle is the light, is the purity, is Jesus. And so this will be part of our Christmas Eve and Christmas uh, services. And so the way that this works, the reason that we do this is very, very symbolic of the season. It's very symbolic of the reflection and the anticipation. The light is to remind us that Jesus is the light of the world. And as Christ followers, we are called to reflect that light. the world around us. The flame reminds us that something is happening and that more is yet to come. And so the flame starts in one and then goes to another and to another. And so that progression of the candles being lit, it symbolizes the various aspects of the waiting experience. And so it's very symbolic of the emotions and the feelings that we are, are sort of passing through during this season. And so today's candle is hope. The first candle of Advent is the candle of hope. And Jesus was the hope of the nation of Israel, like we heard in the reading just now when they lit the candle from the book of Isaiah. And so they were waiting several centuries, and then when Isaiah spoke that, they waited several centuries more for this to come to pass, for the, the hope for the, that the government will rest on his shoulders and this new king to come. And they had been waiting, and they placed all of their hope in, in this new Messiah that was coming because he was going to bring freedom, He was going to bring justice. He was going to bring peace and righteousness and deliverance and establish a new kingdom. And so there was this great anticipation and hope for that to take place. And so hope is an interesting thing. Hope defined is simply this. It's a feeling of expectation and desire for a certain thing to happen. Hope is a feeling of expectation and desire for a certain thing to happen. I'm a Detroit Lions fan. Any other Detroit Lions fans in the room? Look, look around. They need extra doses of prayer. All the people that just raised their hand, they need prayer, some serious prayer. I'm a Detroit Lions fan. I have the most hope of the year in August and September. Every year. That's preseason. That's before the Lions start playing. Because I think, okay, we finally got the right coach. This is the one. This is our year. This is going to be it. After 50 straight years of rebuild, this is the one, right? And so I'm just so full of of hope and expectation and desire for this to happen. I mean, many of us hoped to get the Good Friday deals, or we hoped that we didn't eat too much on Thanksgiving, or we hope to get back in the gym in 2022, or we hope that 2022 is better than 2021, that was hopefully better than 2020. Dear Lord, please help us. I mean, we all know what hope is. I actually, I had the privilege of going hunting for my first time on Friday. Someone here in the church, Dave Carey, uh, invited us to come out on his property. You, You guys all know Craig is an avid hunter, right? Pastor Craig loves hunting. And so I saw his passion for hunting and it inspired me. I was like, if this guy loves it that much, there's gotta be something to this, right? Or do we have any hunters in the room? Anyone who hunts? Okay, like three of you, awesome. There's more of you, just hunters are too cool to raise their hand in church. they are like, I'm not raising my hand, I'm a hunter. But anyway, sorry. I went hunting for the first time on Friday. And I got all bundled up and got in my deer blind and, and it was not warm at all. I literally felt like my face was going to freeze off of my body and just fall off right there in the deer blind. I'm sitting there freezing and I'm, I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, why do people do this? What what is it about this that is so awesome? Like I just I don't get it. But then I got thinking. I thought, oh my gosh, you know what it is? You're not hunting. You're hoping. You're literally sitting there hoping. You have an expectation and a desire. You're hoping a deer walks out. You're hoping to see something. You're hoping to get a meat full, a, a, a freezer full of meat, right? That that that's what you're hoping for. So I was sitting there and I was hoping and hoping and hoping and I hear an acorn fall and I'd be like deer <laughs> And it was just an acorn and then I'd be sitting there hoping 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 and I'd hear noise and I'd be I'd like deer and it was a squirrel And I'd hear a twig break and it would think deer and no it was a squirrel And so I did not even I mean I sat out there for like three hours you know freezing to death And I didn't even get one deer I got two on my first time ever Come on now. I'm retired, by the way. I've hit my pinnacle, two deer, one day. I'm done. I accomplished it. I am the great hunter. You can call me Sam the great hunter from this moment forward, okay? But I I got it. I understand why. It's hope. You're sitting there just hoping the entire time. Hope is an important aspect of who we are as people. Hope is a vital part of the human experience. It really is. I mean, we experience hope the first time we walk into our brand new house we're full of hope. The first time we hold a newborn baby, we're full of hope. We hope that we get the job. We hope that that newborn baby turns out okay and all the ones following. We hope that they turn out okay. We hope that it's not cancer. We hope that everything turns out all right. Hope is a part of the human condition. It's a part of the human experience. Humans are hopers we love to hope, but we also, we need hope. We need hope because here's the deal, guys. Hope feeds our soul. Think about it. If you had everything you ever wanted and everything you ever needed and all your dreams and desires and hopes were fulfilled, there'd be no reason for hope. And at first you think, man, yeah, that would be awesome. But then you see people in life who have that We wonder, how do those famous people fall apart like that? How does their entire life unravel when they seemingly have everything? See, you can live months, potentially, without food. You can live maybe a week, two weeks without water. You can live a a, a few series of seconds without air. But you can't live this life without hope. You can't live without hope. It feeds the soul. Hope moves us. Hope inspires us, hope guides us. Hope essentially keeps our soul alive. And we see hope all throughout scripture. And the way that God interacts with humanity, the way that humanity interacts with God, the way that humanity interacts with other humanity, there is hope laced all throughout. And God has communicated differently with all of humanity throughout the progression of the Bible. If you open up the scriptures at the very beginning, you see God walking and talking with Adam and Eve in the garden. And then you progress a little further, and you see God begin to speak through Abraham and through Noah. He speaks to them through visions and dreams. And then you get to Moses, and he speaks to Moses through an audible voice through a burning bush. And then you see the people of Israel and their communication with God and how that all goes down. God speaks to them through judges and through prophets. And these people become the mouthpiece of God. And then Jesus, creator enters creation. Jesus shows up on the scene. It says the word became flesh. Jesus becomes the voice of God, the Lagos. Jesus becomes that, and that's how we hear the voice of God. And then, post-Jesus, like we talked about a few weeks ago, we get the Holy Spirit. You know, the Holy Spirit falls in Acts chapter 2, and then we have that empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And that's how God interacts and relates with humanity in the here and now. That's the, series, that's the season of history that we find ourselves in. We communicate to God through the empowerment and activity of the Holy Spirit. Now imagine for a moment that the Holy Spirit completely exits the situation. Imagine for a second that the Holy Spirit exits the scene. Well, what do we know about the Holy Spirit? What's the fruit of the Spirit? How do we know that the Holy Spirit is evident and around in our lives? Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23, it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's how we know the Holy Spirit is active. That's the evidence that the Holy Spirit is around. So imagine the Holy Spirit goes away. No more love. No more joy. No more peace. No more patience. No more kindness. No more goodness. No more faithfulness. No more gentleness. No more self-control. Gone. Imagine the void that that would leave inside of us. Imagine how terrible that would be. Imagine how much we would long for that to return, how much anticipation we would have for God to come back into the equation, for God to open lines of communication with us once again. You see, that's where the people of God found themselves, between the Old Testament and the New Testament. I joked a few weeks ago about that blank page in the Bible that it was like a manufacturer's mistake. It's not. It's intentional that blank piece of paper between the Old Testament and the New Testament after Malachi, before Matthew, that piece of paper represents 400 years. It's called the intertestamental period. That represents 400 years where God was silent on the line. We have no record of communication with God for 400 years. Think about that. Our country hasn't even been around for 400 years. We're talking generations and generations and generations of people where God was silent, silent on the line. They had the dial tone. You guys remember what a dial tone is? Remember that? Anybody born in like mid-90s is like, what, huh? They had the dial tone for 400 years. And so you can imagine the anticipation. You can imagine the void because they heard the things like they just read he will come the government will be on his shoulders and he's gonna unite the people and it's gonna be peace and justice and freedom and liberation and a new kingdom and they're like yeah and then nothing for 400 years until we get to Luke chapter 2 and that's what's so awesome about this in Luke chapter 2 when when these these uh, shepherds have this interaction With this angel So now that you have the stage set And you know what they're feeling, what they're vibing What's going on in them, what's going on in their people Think about it, their great-great-grandparents were like He's coming, a new king is coming They didn't see anything The the great-great-grandparents It's coming, nothing Great-grandparents, it's coming, it's coming Nothing Grandparents, your parents, and now here you are It's coming, this king is coming It's gonna happen We have the prophecies, we have all the things. It's going to happen. And if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Luke chapter two. I'm gonna be starting in verse eight. Luke chapter two, starting in verse eight. This is what you're feeling. This is the, the height of the expectation. The excitement had to have been contagious when this happens. The anticipation overwhelming, the expectation just absolutely abounding. In Luke chapter two, verse eight, it says this. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Think about it. You're out in the fields with your sheep and your homies, and you're hanging out, and then boom, an angel. And when this happens, you have to think. They're going, oh my gosh, this is what my great-great-grandparents and my great-grandparents and my grandparents and my parents. Wait, th- guys, you think this is it? Do you think this is really happening right now? But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. This is where they go, yeah, guys, this is it. This is it. Holy crap. Am I allowed to say that? Holy cow, I'll say that. Holy cow. Gosh, Craig goes away and I say that. That is just not good. There's cameras everywhere. Okay, let's keep moving. Oof. Hopefully your kids are utilizing our kids' church. All right. (laughs) Verse 11, focus, Sam. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God, saying. Now, check it out. They're in a field. An angel shows up, and they're all going... Dude, this is it! And then an angel choir shows up and starts singing. They say, "Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men, and peace to men on whom His favor rests." When the angels had left them and then gone and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, "I'm sure this is a mild version of what they said to one another. Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord had told us about." Guys, that is the Christmas story. Not family, not food, not presents, not Santa Claus, not Michael Buble, even though I love Michael Buble with all of my heart. Those things are all fun and great and wonderful. But guys, this, this is the Christmas story. Christmas is the coming savior. Christmas is the birth of the Messiah. Christmas is God opening the lines of communication and relationship once again, after it had been a dial tone for 400 years. Christmas is the lines of communication and relationship opening up. And so this is why we look back on this. This is why we reflect with such hope. Jesus was the hope of the world, hope of generations. Generations. And so we reflect on that, but reflection is not the only piece. Again, there's another piece of anticipation, of looking ahead, the expectation of Christ's return, the expectation of his second coming. Because when Jesus was here, he talked about it. When Jesus was on earth in his ministry, he talked about it. If you have your Bibles, again, you can turn with me to John chapter 14. John chapter 14, and I'm going to be in verses 1 through 4. And again, this is Jesus talking to his disciples while he's here on earth. And he says this, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. I feel like I could have got up here this morning and just said that. And that would be something for somebody. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. Verse two, in my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would not have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. We have hope in Christ's return, to have reconciliation with him, ultimate reconciliation. There's a Hebrew word that is pronounced shalom. And it's this concept of the making right of all things, the wholeness of all things. And so in Christ's return, it's going to bring wholeness to all things. And so we anticipate that just as much as we reflect on the initial hope that was birthed in in Bethlehem. We look at that and we say, okay, here's the deal. God's past faithfulness, it motivates hope for the future. God's past faithfulness and seeing how he opened lines of communication and established relationship for us and with us through that. We look at that past faithfulness and we allow that to motivate our hope for the future, the hope of his return, the hope of his ultimate reconciliation, the hope of shalom brought here to us. And we see God's past faithfulness motivating hope for the future. We look at God's past faithfulness all throughout Scripture. We look in the Old Testament through the prophets and the judges and all the happenings of the Old Testament and how God showed up and took care of his people time and time again. And it just kept going and going and going. And then we see the life and ministry of Jesus. And then into the epistles, the letters in the second half of the New Testament, we see God's faithfulness faithfulness in the early church. In Acts chapter 2, and it moves forward, and we see God being faithful there, and then in the early church history with our church fathers, when they're figuring out all this theology and shaping their understanding of God, we see God's faithfulness there and throughout history, and then we see God's faithfulness in our own stories and in the stories of those around us, the stories of those in our family where God has shown up huge. God's past faithfulness motivates our hope for the future. What God has done motivates our hope for what God is going to do. And what's really cool is one of the ways, one of the many ways that God has been faithful here at Kensington in the past is through our global partners. And through the ways that we've been able to partner with them to do ministry and be hope dealers all around the globe, all over the world. And so over the past couple of weeks, we've taken a moment during each service and watched a video of a different global partner that Kensington is able to partner with in ministry and to bring hope to the world around us. And so this morning, what we're going to do is we're going to check out a story from the Afghanistan region of the world, which has been huge in, in, in world news and the things, and many of you have, have kept up with that and been part of what Kensington is doing to partner with people in Afghanistan. But I want us to check out this story of how hope has been brought to this region because of your partnership and the partnership of Kensington. So check out this video.
0: So I'm Jeff Gibson. I am the president of Big Life. And we have been a ministry for over 20 years now in the United States. And the the ministry and its name really got started from a question in a book that was talking about the 1040 window and the vast amount of lostness in this area of the world where two out of every three people live. And yet uh, most people have never even heard the name of Jesus Christ. But the question was posed, are you leading a little life in your own little world? Or are you willing to lead a big life with a big kingdom impact? The mission of Big Life is to empower believers worldwide to reach and disciple their own people for Jesus Christ. In about 2008, 2009, we started in Central Asia. The Lord actually provided a a jihadist who was on his way uh, to fight jihad in Afghanistan one day. He had stopped on the side of the road to grab a cup of tea in a tea stall, which is Really just, you know, a small little hut and a, and a bench on a dusty road. And he was sipping his cup of tea. And in his words, he said, he looked down at his feet and there was some some paper that was swirling down at his feet. And he felt like there was like a light shining on this paper. And the words that were written on the paper are, blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the poor in spirit. And he knew these were the words out of a Bible, but he'd never seen a Bible before but the lord so convicted his heart that he did not continue on his trip that that time to jihad he turned around he goes back home and for the next two years he was seeking out who wrote these words who said these words and he finally was put in, uh, in touch the lord provided a way uh, for someone to share the gospel of jesus christ and he became a believer and uh, we were contacted back in the United States. Our, our founder, John Harrima, went over there and met with this this person. He said, the the Lord has told me that I should go back into the extremists, the Taliban region, and reach people for Jesus Christ. And we was like, you're, you're crazy. And he goes, no, this is what the Lord's told me to do. He says, promise me that you'll train me, that you'll pray for me, and that you'll take care of my family when they kill me. And now in Afghanistan, because of the obedience of this one person, we have over 11,000, almost 12,000 believers now, uh, underground in the country of Afghanistan. What I always love about our indigenous leaders in these areas is they don't view the Muslims as their enemy. They say they just don't know truth yet. We didn't know truth and that's how we acted before we knew truth. So now we need to reach these brothers and sisters and let them know who the the gospel truth is, which is Jesus Christ. A Muslim is taught that you can't read the Bible because the Jews and Christians have corrupted it, and it can't be trusted. So even though they're told, we should read it, they're also told verbally, don't read it, it's been corrupted. But what our leaders will look for when they find these people who are hungry, who may want to read the Bible, and they say, well, I can't because it's corrupted, they say, what if I had an uncorrupted version because I do? And I can give it to you. And uh, the Bibles are actually the number one request we have had on the field in Central Asia for the last eight years. Every year our Bible budget goes up. There was one year we actually distributed over a hundred thousand Bibles, but we've been averaging between seventy and eighty-five thousand Bibles per year. And we've seen so many Muslims come to faith because they they read these Bibles, usually in secret. They can't come home and say, I have a Bible, or whatever. But to, to give them God's word and to let the truth of the gospel penetrate their hearts. So a few months ago, we all know from the news what happened in Taliban with the U.S. forces pulling out and the chaos which has ensued we saw immediate needs right away obviously it was on the news that people were trying to escape you know we saw the planes taking off uh from kabul to try to get out and people desperately trying to get on those planes it was heartbreaking what was amazing is is we had people starting to contact big life saying um you guys are going to need some help we're going to start raising some money we had people outside of our organization that just started raising money for us kensington church stepped up said, we need to help with this as well. We need to send you some money to help with this rescue effort. So we started to bring some people across the border. Uh, At the the very start of this, I wouldn't say it was easy, but it wasn't extremely difficult to get some people. Now, uh, there was all kinds of different situations. If they had family inside Pakistan or friends and they could go there, we would help them get there. If they had no contacts, we were finding places for them to live. The people that have been relocated, Within Afghanistan, uh, right now there's about 8,000 that are that are located in a certain area. We're feeding them all the time. So we're getting money in to buy food to feed them. Other people, you know, that are coming across the border, we've rented some rental homes yeah, for yeah. them. We're putting some in the uh, refugee camps. We're putting some with friends and family. And some, if they have the right paperwork, we can take them right to the U.S. Embassy. We have 8,000 we've relocated in the country, over 3,000 we've helped get out of the country. Out of those 8,000 are still there. We believe many of them will still wanna come. We just don't have any paperwork on them yet. In fact, there's, there's this one family and there's, there's two daughters and two sons, uh, relatively young, like un, under teenage years. And uh, we are trying to find a way to bring them all across, but they were scared, they said, because if we get stopped by the Taliban, understand they're gonna take these two boys and make them suicide bombers and they're going to take these two girls and make them wives and they asked us can you guarantee that you can get them across safely and we cannot do that you know it's it's dangerous for people we understand they you know they don't want to leave the container but at some point they're going to have to it's it's a it's a tough situation for all those involved
4: In the morning, before work, I like to go out on my patio, especially in the summer, and uh, read the Bible. As I was reading, uh, my phone was beeping and kind of going nuts, and I clicked on it and and saw tweets and everything about the Afghan refugees trying to get out of Afghanistan. And that really stuck with me. And at the same time, kind of stirring was uh, a feeling like I need to be more active. Um, in my faith, but just this feeling of not really being connected, I just said, uh, a quick prayer, God, if, if you want me to get involved in this, just really make it obvious that, well, I'm going to look up what, um, charities are involved with this. found a, um, Lutheran charity on the East coast. And, and from there I saw that they were connected with, um, Samaritas here in Michigan, talked to the receptionist there, and they connected me with uh, Kelly Dobner. She explained to me that a lot of um, refugees were, were coming to the Detroit area and that Samaritas was one of the leading eight agencies. And I th- thought, well, maybe I can tell my church about this. Maybe I can tell some of my friends my some of my networks. And she was like, oh yeah, what church do you go to? And I said, oh, Kenzie, Troy. And she said, uh, oh. I've already been in touch with Kensington Troy, and uh, we have a meeting this upcoming week. And to me, um, that was kind of the anvil across the head. Like, yes, you're you're. This is something you you should be um, involved with. Our team itself has 22 volunteers, but I know uh, Kensington as a whole has uh, over 150. So the response has been uh, way more than we ever ever imagined. We're excited and anxious and kind of feeling like we're in over our heads a little bit, but also um, really um, excited to see what God has planned. Um, the biggest risk, like selfishly, is our time. Like to me and our family, like our time is the most valuable thing. And uh, and now we're committing a chunk of time for six months. So selfishly, that's the biggest risk. Um, We'll see what God has planned, and, and maybe it'll, it will become a regular
0: thing. Um, we'll see. Whenever I ask them, you know, what message do you want me to take back, they always say, please thank everyone. Please thank them from the bottom of my heart because we know they're praying, and we know that we can continue to do what we're doing because of what they're doing. They are still hearing and seeing believers in the northern area still being slaughtered Uh, so that's happened Uh, we have lost four leaders in this operation that have been killed by the taliban and there was a complete family of 10 uh, that were crossing one time and they were all killed this situation is going to go on for some time to come Uh, we're planning uh, for a couple years down the road for as far as relocating people this is still a desperate problem over there we ask you to keep it at the forefront of your mind keep praying for these people Pray for our leaders who are out truly risking their lives to bring people they don't even know sometimes across the border, because their safety day by day is always in question. And and the situation can change in a moment's notice, it oftentimes does.
5: When we began our partnership in Afghanistan, it was something vague and unknown. We knew people were gonna come to Christ. We knew there was gonna be all these challenges, but it was something we would invest from a distance. But in this last year, what was far away, Jesus Christ has brought right into our lives. And your response in this year has absolutely overwhelmed me. I mean, the giving to see thousands of refugees in danger of their lives, escape into other countries, it's been, been so beautiful. And now, added to that, has been this willingness to step into relationship with Afghani refugees that are coming into our country. We are literally getting to be like Jesus. As Jesus walked with us, we're getting to walk with these amazing people. And it's still an unknown. We don't understand. We're going to learn, but we're going to see Jesus Christ move. And when you make a year-end Christmas gift to Kensington you're hearing all kinds of opportunities but I'm telling you this is an adventure that we never knew we could be on and it's at the epicenter of world news and of what Jesus Christ is doing in the world and I'm inviting you to join us again in an amazing adventure where we continue to do what we've always done step from the unknown into the known with Jesus Christ
3: And so when you came in this morning, you should have received one of these books, one of these uh, year-end Christmas gift books, and you can read up on the stories of things that are happening in Afghanistan. There's all kinds of stuff in here um, as far as K-Kids, some of our local stuff, our school partnerships, um, our move-out initiatives, I mean, all kinds of things, of ways that we are being hope dealers all around the world. And if you're joining us online, you can go to Kensington Church. slash gift and this book is available on there all the information in there as well but guys think about that the obedience of one person like he was saying in that video the obedience of one person and now there's nearly 12,000 believers connected and birthed from this one person's obedience to follow what God had called them to do to be a hope dealer in that region and so we have the opportunity the privilege here at Kensington to partner with organizations like that and others that are found in here where we can be hope dealers all across the globe. It's bigger than Lake Orion or Troy or Clinton Township or wherever we have campuses. It's bigger than Metro Detroit. We get to be the hands and feet of Jesus all over the world. And that's only made possible by your partnership. And so you'll notice in the back of this thing, there's an envelope that's pretty self-explanatory. If you want to give a year-end Christmas gift to Kensington, it goes to operate and to fund things like that, to fund our local partnerships, our regional partnerships, and our global partnerships. God's been doing some awesome, awesome stuff through that. And like we said, God's past faithfulness is what motivates our hope for the future. God's past faithfulness to see that one person's obedience can lead to 12,000. And that's God's faithfulness, but what kind of hope does that inspire us moving forward in the Afghanistan region? And in Kenya, and in India, and in all these other places that we've shared these stories. It's exciting to be a part of what God can do, and what God wants to do in, through, and around us and our generosity. And so maybe you're in here this morning and you walked in and the reality is you need hope. You walked in and you felt like you were facing some seemingly hopeless situations. Maybe it's at your job. Things are not going the way you thought they were. Seemingly a dead end and it's seemingly a hopeless situation. I wanna challenge and encourage you to seek Jesus. Maybe it's in your family circumstances. Maybe this past week wasn't full of all rainbows, unicorns, and butterflies. Maybe your your family situation's a little more splintered, a little more fractured, maybe a little more broken. Maybe it's seemingly hopeless. My challenge and my encouragement to you. Maybe you're in here today and it's your finances. You hear this, you see this, you see videos like that, and you're like, Sam, dude, I'm barely above water. I've come to the bottom of the barrel. I'm at the end of my resources, and it's seemingly hopeless. I would challenge and encourage you to seek Jesus, the hope of the world. Maybe it's your relationships. Maybe some of them are toxic. Some of them are negative. Maybe it's a lack thereof you're lonely, you feel alone, and it's seemingly hopeless, I want to challenge and encourage you to seek Jesus. Maybe for you, it's life in general, and you walked in, and you're like, dude, I'm at the end of my rope. My face is barely above water. I don't know how to move forward, if I can move forward, and it's seemingly hopeless. If that's you this morning, my challenge and my encouragement." Jesus, the hope of the world. Maybe you're in here this morning and you need to take a few minutes and just reflect on God's past faithfulness. Maybe you need to spend a few moments recognizing and realizing, do some introspection and saying, where has God showed up for me in the past? How has God showed up in my story?" How has God showed up in the story of my family? How has God showed up in my community? How has God showed up in the past? And allow that, take that, harness that, leverage that, and use it to motivate your hope for the future. Maybe you're in here this morning and you are in a position where you're like, you know what, I need need to invest in the hope of others. That's something that I can be a part of. You watch that video and you're like, yes, that's something I can do. I wanna invest in the hope of others all around the world. And so maybe you take this book home and you dig in or you go online and you dig in and you say, this is where I want to invest my hope. This is where I want to be the hands and feet of Jesus. This is how I want to be a hope dealer moving forward. But this whole Advent season is a time of reflection and a time of anticipation, reflecting on the hope of the world that came to us in the nativity in Bethlehem, but then anticipating the hope of the world in Jesus and using God's path faithfulness motivate our hope for the future. Let's pray together. God, I thank you so much for this morning. I thank you so much for what you're doing for those in this room and those joining us online. God, for those of us who are facing the seemingly hopeless, I pray that you would send your Holy Spirit to comfort us and to guide us. Give us the wisdom seek you give us the strength and the audacity to seek you the hope of the world God for those of us who need to just be a little reflective this morning a little introspective Lord help us to recognize where you've been faithful in the past give us the audacity to leverage that moving forward to bring hope for our future God, those of us that you're stirring inside of us to make a move to to invest in hope around the world. God, give us the audacity to take that first step. God, do a work in us today. We love you and praise you. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen, amen. Go ahead and stand and worship with us. I want to tell you about really quick, and then we're doing something kind of cool this series, so don't take off yet, okay? Listen, so Tuesday night, online, there's an online family event called Faith and the Family, and they're talking about big feelings within the family. It's going to be an awesome event. Go to kensingtonchurch.org slash faithandfamily, and it's an online event. Make sure you check that out. Also, we have an in-person gathering this Wednesday night. December 1st. Remember I told you about this a few weeks ago? This is huge, guys. It's our family tree lighting outdoor service. Operative word, outdoor service. Make sure that you dress warm. We're going to have fire pits and s'mores and hot cocoa. We're going to sing some carols together. We're going to light the trees on the property. And it is not on fire with Christmas lights. Okay, it's not that kind of rager, but it's going to be awesome, I promise. Okay, we'll be here Wednesday night. Make sure you join us for that. Now, for this season, since we're taking the more liturgical bend on things, we're going to do something a little different. We're going to sing the chorus of a carol the same carol at the end of each week. Almost as like, it's it's a benediction. Those of you from a more liturgical, that's like, may the Lord bless you and keep you, make his face shine upon, like the whole deal. Obviously, I don't know it, but that's the idea, okay? (laughs) I'm like, I'm doing this with my hand. Like, what what am I doing right now? I don't know what I'm doing. Um, but So we're going to sing this song together. And then also, if you'd like to give, you know, because of your generosity and your partnership, that's how we're able to do everything. And so the giving options will be up on the screen as well on your way out. But we're going to sing this together. So go ahead and lead us in it.
6: Oh, come, oh, come, Amen. some captive
0: been listening to the Kensington Church Podcast. If you've enjoyed this recording, check back weekly for new content. You can find Kensington on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and of course, at kensingtonchurch.org.